This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and uh, the new edition of the We Spin Recipes podcast and uh, today I've got a great guest on the show, Emmanuel Legrand. Hello Emmanuel. Hello, how are you? Doing great. I uh, was nervous as always to pronounce your name properly. Sorry for that. Um, I hope you, I got it right. Can you please properly pronounce your full name? My name is Emmanuel Legrand and I'm, uh, as you can hear, I'm French, but I'm based in London. Beautiful. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, your background and uh, your projects and past because uh, you've got a lot of great projects that you've been working on. You're a journalist, but I would really love to hear this from you if you don't mind. Well, I, I've been a journalist for 25 odd years now. I'm mostly covering the uh, entertainment industries, uh, the film, TV, uh, books and music industries. Uh, but mostly the music industry. Uh, in '97, I moved to London from Paris and I became the editor of a magazine called Music and Media, which was a pan-European magazine that was covering the radio business and the music industry throughout Europe. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the magazine closed in 2003 and it was part of the Billboard group, so I uh, became the uh, international editor of Billboard for a few years and then I went back to my... Uh, my freelance roots and I've been since 2006 a freelance journalist and also a consultant working for uh, different clients but always on the on the content side on the intellectual property side uh, I've I don't I have very little appetite for uh, for being on the sales side for example mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at heart I'm really about someone who uh, who likes to uh, look at things analyze uh, a market and and come up with the with the goods and and mostly you know in in writing form because you know that's my uh, that's my forte writing. Mm-hmm. And and uh, what about the uh, one movements? Uh, can you comment on this? Well, it's it's a it's a new magazine which is based in LA, but we've put it on a on a on, on hold for a while because mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a typical magazine for the 21st century for the digital age, in the sense that it's delivered free to anyone who wants to download it on the One Movement for Music website. I think we've done six or seven issues, but uh, it would be nice if we had a little bit of uh, more, you know, uh, support from from advertisers. Because that's you know you cannot just and that's one of the conundrums of the free <laughs> internet is you cannot deliver stuff that is free all the time without at some point uh, figuring out how you're going to be paid. So uh, for the moment we've put it on hold, but it's a, it's a nice project. We'd like to rejuvenate it one way or another, and we're, we're looking we're discussing with different people at the moment. Got it. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that because it looks pr- promising. Uh, Can and, I, I just, yeah. I, I, uh, I have a blog, and you probably will mention that. But where I, you know, I'm I'm going to reach my, you know, the hundreds post on my uh, on my on my blog, and it's mostly about the the, the the music business and you know the different topics that you know we might be discussing. Uh, the other thing that I did, which uh, took me a, a good six months, was uh, a, a huge study for the European Commission on the circulation of European repertoire within the European Union and the conclusions were that actually repertoire has a lot of problems to circulate because there are you know a lot of boundaries around the European uh, Union and this uh, for your your listeners the the report can still be found on the European Music Office website uh, even though the European Music Office does not exist anymore the website site is still operating and they can download a pretty uh, you know it's 125 pages long and it was made in 2012 so I I hope it's still relevant Mm-hmm. I'm linking to these uh, articles and to your blog in the show notes, so definitely it won't be difficult for the listener to find these links. Thanks for mentioning. Yeah. So, any any other project that you uh, projects that you wanted to mention right now? No, you know, I'm still doing. Uh, we launched ten years ago with the European Commission a, a prize called the European Border Breakers Awards, and it's taking place every year in uh, in Groningen in the north of Holland. Uh, during the Eurosonic uh, Norderslag Festival, 
festival, and it's uh, it's it re it really highlights the uh, the young artists who are crossing borders within the European Union, and that goes back to the previous point I was making is that this is something I'm really I've always been interested in. It's how to help artists moving from one place to another, and since we we do consider that the world is one entity uh, and especially with the new means of communication we can probably reach in a much easier way people in New Zealand or in Indonesia or in Argentina if we want to but physically it still remains quite difficult to move around because they are you know there's cost attached there's visa problems there's working permit problems and so on and so forth so that's something that i, I really you know i'm i'm really keen to to help promote uh, because it is for me the most important thing is not you know of course people are making music but also if they can take their music around and and expose it to uh, to different audiences that's the key thing That's an interesting topic. For, for this podcast in, uh, series, I talked to Martin Franscona recently, who is known as an uh, entertainment attorney specializing in international law, and uh, he shared quite in, a bit of interesting tips on uh, uh, the topic of uh, moving to other countries, or other, rather promoting a music act in uh, different uh, countries. So it's an interesting uh, thing, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this as well. I, I understand that it's not possible to uh, give <laughs> some simple advices here but since we touch this topic do you have any general advice to anyone who is interested in entering into another territory uh, and promoting music elsewhere well I, I think it, it it depends mostly the, the kind of music you're doing uh, I think with electronic music it's much easier it's fluid uh, because most of the time it's 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 instrumental music and it's one person with I would say <laughs> a bag of records but these days they don't even have records anymore they just go with a computer and and go from one place to another so that's 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 pretty easy uh, if you you know a little bit of uh, work and identifying the people you want to work with or the festivals and stuff like that then you will end up finding places to play. It's a bit more uh, difficult when you are, say, a typical rock band with four or five musicians and uh, singing, you know, most, you know, in th these days most, most bands will sing in English, so that's even in France or, or in Germany. Um, that is, that, that becomes a bit more difficult because you have to get into the local culture, you have to, something has to click. And, you know, my first advice was, is to, you know, make sure you're making music that is not relevant, but that is different from what the other uh, musicians do. I think what's the point in having in copycats of uh, artists uh, coming from different places if you have the original? People will always go for the, the original one if you, and, and not for the copycat. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's the, what we've seen in terms of uh, artists crossing borders uh, in recent times uh, is is really people who have uh, you know either a different touch or you know a lot of music from Scandinavia these days you know crosses borders pretty well especially from Sweden but also from Norway etc and what that there is something that you know kind of sets them apart and that's why I think that, you know people are interested even when they are doing some kind of Uh, Americana version of music like First Aid Kit, uh, those two Swedish girls, you know, they sing wonderfully well, they have, they're, they're great songwriters, and so people are interested in, in them. So I think that's, it's work on, on your craft and make sure that you, you know, you're, if you're a songwriter, uh, make sure that you write the best songs possible. If you are a musician, make sure that you, you own, you know, your instrument and you know how to play And, and, you know, never be afraid of actually knocking on doors. I think one of the, the best advice I've ever heard was uh, the Scottish manager of the band Simple Minds in the 80s uh, was also managing uh, a few other bands. And he said, you know, my job is to make friends. <laughs> and I think my, the best advice I would give is make friends everywhere. And... Uh, The uh, 
you, you know, you might consider as an artist, you know, it's not my job, you know, I can be, you know, grumpy or whatever. Yes, you can, but at the same time, uh, you need champions. You need people who are going to help you uh, get in a different dimension or open doors and so on. So it is about finding those champions. And it can be, you know, uh, we mentioned one movement for music. Well, the guy who launched that is, his name is Sat Bisla. Sat runs a radio show in LA and a conference called Musexpo. And, you know, he he's very open and he, you know, gets music from all around the world and he's passionate about music. That's the kind of people you have to get in touch with. Uh, there are, you know, I, uh, there, there are a lot of conferences around. It's always worth, you know, spending a few hundred, you know, euros or, or pounds or dollars to go to one of these conferences and, and meet people from the business. And who knows, you might find uh, a publisher or you might find an agent, or you might find a concert promoter who might be interested in your music, or just you know making contact with you. And that's I think that you know making friends and having a, and not and not simply in the Facebook you know uh, understanding of what a friend is, but uh, having f- friends on Facebook is useful. But having physical friends is also very useful, mm-hmm. and and getting to connect with people. And showing your face, and 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 you know it, that's that's how it works. And and I, I would say even more so now than we have all these you know means of communication. Uh, if people can connect with you, see your face, and have a discussion with you, it's even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that would be my my main advice. That's a great one. Also, I uh, I'm sure that any musician should use the online means of communication because uh, you can. Now get connected with uh, a great uh, music business representative via Twitter, for example, and uh, it is very helpful. But yeah, I can hear you very well, and uh, this is a great and practical advice. But I, I guess for anyone, yes, if if we go back to the earlier question, for anyone uh, uh, willing to move somewhere, uh, they need to do some homework and try to find some connections online before beforehand. Yeah, the, 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 doing your homework is also very important. And sometimes, you know, you don't have time or you don't want to or, you you know, as I said, you know, if you're a musician, it's probably better, you know, to just focus on your on your skills as a musician or as a songwriter or as a composer or whatever uh, because that's where, you know, the, the, the uh, <laughs> that's where the value added is. But if you really want to, you know, at a very early stage, you have to do some homework. You cannot just let uh, other people do it for you, and you have to be driven. You have to have your, you know, a vision of what you want to do. Uh, I, you know, I was watching yesterday uh, a very interesting documentary on uh, one of the biggest tour promoters in the world, uh, Arthur Fogel, who works for Live Nation and who did tours, you know, with U2 and and, and a few others. And there was Lady Gaga, and people think that Lady Gaga is a, is a is, is an instant success. You know, she was not an instant success. It took her a while to actually understand who she was, what she wanted to do. She had the skills. She, you know, she's a songwriter. She has a, but, but then you know, she found her her way. She found her voice, and then you know, she had a few people who helped her along the way. And one of the persons who uh, really uh, can be credited, you know, aside from the artist for, you know, breaking the artist is is the manager, and she found a guy named Troy Carter, who is a brilliant young guy, and he's still young, and he's no longer managing Lady Gaga, and he really uh, was the guy who managed to put into business terms the vision that Lady Gaga had for herself, and I think that's it's a very good lesson I think for anyone is the. First of all, who do I want to be? Who am I as, a, as, a, as, a, as an artist? And, you know, it's not always easy to answer that question. But then the second thing is, you know, who is going to be my champion and who is going to help me achieve that vision? And, and that's the toughest part because, you know, the, the, the very good uh, managers or agents, there aren't that many around. And it's also, you know, who you can connect with. And uh, uh, it's interesting, in, in the industry there are so many people who are not always uh, sincere, let's say, and uh, it's very easy to start working with someone who will not help you but will uh, 
we may even hurt you or just charge you its own without delivering and uh, it's also about trusting people because at the same time if you don't trust uh, someone uh, to help you with uh, your music career then uh, yeah you will not be able to do it alone i'm uh, i'm firm believer that it's not possible to do it absolutely alone without any connections or any help so well you know it, the, 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 it's it's a good point you know you it's it's a le- you know there's a level of trust and then you know there's a uh, you know, it depends how many lawyers you want to get into the <laughs> into the process. Uh, I would I would you know advise also having a good a good lawyer who's who's loyal uh, to you, and who can be you know telling you that you know you're there's something fishy around there. Uh, but also you have to be aware that lawyers you know sometimes need to be paid on. On, on what on on what they deliver, therefore sometimes they will be forcing you to make decisions that might be in their interest mm-hmm. uh, and not necessarily in your long term interest so it's always you know you have to be savvy you have to understand you know a little bit what's around and you have to you know you have to have a bullshit detector also and I'm sure a lot of artists do have a bullshit detector because they got you know, they, they got some bad deals, and you know, the, the first couple of times you have a bad deal, you understand what it is, and then you know, the third time you're go, you're much more careful. Uh, you know, without going into the Chuck Berry type of uh, of, uh, <laughs> of of attitude, where you, you know, if you didn't pay Chuck Berry up front the money that he wanted, uh, he wouldn't go on stage. Um, mm-hmm. Because, but but you can understand him because he's been you know ripped off. By so many people in the early stages of his career that he didn't trust anyone. So yeah, trust is a very important issue, and you have there's a limit to the amount of trust you can put into someone. You know, Sting, for example, trusted his accountant, and his accountant embezzled him of a few million pounds and and went away. So you know, these things you know can happen, but. Um, you know, you have to have a certain level of trust in in the process. Otherwise, you will never reach you know a, you know any uh, substantial uh, goal if you if you don't trust a little bit the people around you. You keep an eye on them, but you know you have to trust them. Yeah, and in, in, interesting about the Lady Gaga uh, case that you mentioned. It was a bit uh, different situation. The Troy, the manager, uh, he, I guess he trusted in Lady Gaga as well, but uh, they ended up. Well, splitting up, and I, I think it was Lady Gaga's decision, but fortunately, uh, yeah, the manager had uh, numerous other projects on site that uh, he could focus on instead. But it's interesting that sometimes uh, it's also tricky for a music business representative, like for, I don't know, a publisher or uh, a record label owner, if an artist becomes a success, he or she may want to go some other roads, uh, the more profitable one, and... For music business people, it's sometimes tough as well, <laughs> in terms of trust in trusting artists they work yeah, with. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I artists are, you know, I wouldn't say unreliable people, but they they do change opinions, and they, you know, and and so it is. It's not easy. Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna not gonna take the extreme example of Morrissey, who's probably the most difficult artist to manage. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm not even sure he's got a manager. And, uh, you know, and there are some artists who are, you know, Van Morrison, who's extremely difficult to manage. Uh, and, but there are some artists who have built that kind of relationship. You know, Simple Minds had that fantastic relationship with their manager until they sacked him, which I think was a bi- business mistake because they went for the big money and they did not uh, really uh, see the long-term vision that the manager had. And as a result, they, they started losing friends. So I think it is, it's a question of balance. But I, I think most of the people who are going to be uh, listening to your, your podcast would love to be in a situation where <laughs> they, can, they have to make decisions that, are, you know, that will involve millions of, do- of dollars and you know, hundreds of concerts and stuff like that. Oh, yes, I, sure. I think you know, this is something that happens to, uh, to established artists. You know, I my take on on up and coming artists is is going back to an earlier point I made is you have to find champions, and even you know if you are a songwriter and not a performer, you have to find someone, most likely a publisher, who's going to give you a chance to blossom as a songwriter, and who's going to champion you and try and 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 find 
performers to perform your songs and uh, uh, you know to find synchronization deals or stuff like that and and I think that's the uh, you have to accept that you know it might not be the most lucrative contract that you will be signing in the early stages uh, but uh, there are some people who might, you know, be out there and, and ready to help you. Uh, one of the the most prolific songwriter uh, of the, the the last few decades is Diane Warren, who's written for absolutely everyone, from Aerosmith to Whitney Houston to you know Celine Dion and a few others. And when she started, uh, you know, she had she found someone who had faith in her ability to to write songs. And was 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 her champion for a while, and then when she started having success, she went back to that person and said, "You know, my contract has been structured in a way that you know, yeah, that I understand because I was an up and coming you know songwriter, but does not exactly represent my uh, my status now." And the person refused to renegotiate the contract with better terms. Therefore, when the contract ended, Diane Warren went elsewhere. Hmm. So you know, it is you you. You know, there's always ways to you know find your way. Uh, I, you know, it is. But she, what she will tell you is that you know, without any 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 anger or whatever, is that you know the the fact that the relationship terminated was one thing. But she found a champion who invested in her and took time to uh, to give her advice, to send her back to the drawing board and doing this. So I think that is very important, is, is that, that kind of relationship. And most likely it's going to be with the music publisher because the music publisher has the time to dedicate to uh, people who are you know, learning the craft or developing their craft as songwriters. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the real job of a publisher. So mm-hmm. if you are writing songs, and, and mostly in the traditional way, uh, and once again, I think that does not necessarily apply to... Um, uh, electronic music uh, artist. It's more, you know, traditional, you know, singer songwriters or songwriters who write, you know, songs for the Britney Spears of this world. That's, you know, publishers are very useful, are very important in the in the picture, because they, um, you know, they can bring you, uh, you know, some some revenues, and but they mm-hmm. can, they can, they fight on your behalf. That's actually important. yeah. I, I have uh, some more questions about publishers. First of all, I'm writing down. Find your champion. I think I'm thinking of using it as a, as the title of the podcast. It's just brilliant, really. Uh, and uh, what you just mentioned that perfectly makes sense uh, about the publishers. It's uh, it's something that many artists uh, do not fully understand how publishing uh, how the publishing world works and in electronic music in particular, it's uh, it's relevant still. And even uh, uh, for for some bands and even for some songwriters, it's confusing. Uh, you gave uh, this great uh, speech and presentation at Medium last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, honestly, it's one of the uh, best explanations of the publishing world. You had you had it uh, titled uh, "Publishing for Non-Publishers," I think, or something like that. Is it right? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. I think it was it was that. But but funny enough, there was there was a lot of publishers in the room, including some very important ones like Ralph Peer, which amused me because I you know and I think I called Ralph Peer and said, "What are you doing here? You, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell anything that you don't know already." And actually, he after the words, he told me that actually it was very interesting for him because um, it gave him a sense of also how he can explain what publishing is to. Uh, to people either that he hires in the company or uh, new uh, young songwriters or composers. And, and I think that's the, you know, I'm, uh, I think the, the, the purpose of the, that one-hour session, which is, I think, still available on the, um, mm-hmm. on the, on the Medium website, was really to, it's, it was not, you know, it could have been, you know, music publishing for dummies, but it's not exactly that. It is... It's, you know, basic facts about music publishing and, first of all, understanding what it is about and, you know, where are the streams of revenues coming, you know, if you are a, a songwriter and you, and you sign a deal with, with music publishers, but also understanding what the music publisher does, how the, the, the music publishing company is structured, what are the different departments, you know, things that, you know, you might not be interested in in the first place, but... 
most of the publishing companies are small units. You know, even the biggest ones, you know, okay, Universal Music Publishing might have, you know, 80 people working in synchronization in, 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 uh, Las Vegas, uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles, in Santa Monica. But, you know, most publishers, it's 3, 5, 8, 12 people. And so they give you a time and attention that you have as human beings, as, as artists, as songwriters. And you get to know everyone. You get to know the person who sends you the checks. Uh, every quarter, you get to meet the the boss of the company, the A and R, the people who are who's going to be syn doing synchronization and so on. So it's it's a, it's a good way of also understanding the business and spending time with these people. And then then you would realize that you know very important people in the company are the people who. Uh, for example, handle the, uh, the, the you know search for placements for songs and synchronization. Mm -hmm. These are the people who actually are going to make your songs, your compositions, alive, and your relationship with those people is going to be fundamental. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if those guys come to you and say, "Ah, oh, this is the song is really great. I've got this you know an interest from that person. They don't like the chorus. Can you tweak it?" And if you, you know, you, 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 you go, you know, on your Aventine and you say, no, no, I, you know, you know, I don't touch my songs, you know, and all, you're going to have some troubles for after a while because your, 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 you know, flexibility is also important. And these days, you know, if you can, if you get a song that is picked by someone, it, you know, it can, it, it can mean a lot of revenues for a long time. So it, that, that's the, you know, for me, the essence of, the, of publishing is the essence of the music industry. Uh, mm -hmm. Before there was a music industry, there were music publishers. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that's the, uh, you know, and, and uh, when you were referring to that, uh, when I was doing some research and actually the, um, the, 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 the almost the copyright, uh, the, the structure of copyright law as we know it is almost born from uh, a Venetian printer who had invented a printing system that allowed to print uh, the score and the lyrics onto the same page. And uh, since other people were taking you know, the work that he was printing and depriving him of his revenues, he went to see the, the people who was running Venice and asked for you know, a, uh, a monopoly in mm -hmm. a way <laughs> to to print those things, so it, it, it it's interesting that it it started that way, and but it started with the printing press, and and the music publisher is arguably aside from the musician or the singers who were the first people in the in the business a few centuries or millenniums ago, uh, they are the first people who actually structured the music, you know, who had a little bit of a revenue streams if you speak in twenty first century uh, jargon. And, and their, their role today is more important than ever uh, because record companies don't have time uh, and, and to, to let you blossom, develop and all that. A publisher will give you that time. And, and also the source of revenues that you, you know, the publishers, it's small streams of revenues, but it's small streams that add up. And a good publisher is someone who will maximize every single stream Beats, uh, placement of songs, synchronization, uh, sheet music, whatever you know, you name it, and 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 that's you know what when you are thinking of a deal and looking for someone to make a deal, that's the kind of thing that also you should have in mind is what kind of service they can provide me with. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's uh, just a general question. Um, basically, you. Uh, can I say that you recommend going with a publisher for a music artist and not just uh, focusing on uh, managing all the uh, exclusive rights of their songs themselves? Well, I think it, it's, it depends on every every single person, you know. But I well, let, let's say for for an up and coming artist, maybe uh, getting some traction, but not a major artist. Well, I, but first of all, you have to find a publisher who's interested in you, which is also a difficult thing. But it is, uh, I would say so, and make sure that the, 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 the Diane Warren uh, situation was interesting. 
is at some point she she asked for a renewal or a renegotiation of the terms of her contract, which the the publisher uh, did not uh, want to do. Therefore, when the contract uh, came to an end, she went elsewhere. So, you you know, it it goes both ways. You know, a publisher is someone who will give you a certain amount of time and a certain amount of money in terms of investment. Uh, and then you know we'll see how it works. My recommendation is always is try and avoid making very very long contracts. I know it's it's not always easy to do because a lot of company wants long term contracts, which is also understandable. But there's a, there's probably a middle ground. And the uh, the other thing is what you can start to do, and that's probably easier in uh, in, in in countries like uh, the U.S. or the U.K. Uh, is is create your own publishing company uh, that will remain the owner of the the works, and then what you do is a uh, is is a uh, the deal with a publisher to represent your 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 catalog, and then you have different levels of representation. You know, different things that you 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 want to uh, to do or not. Uh, I, I think that's the that that's an, a more, an, a, another flexible approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, some publishers will not. Uh, be willing to do deals like that because they will want to uh, in fine own the the copyrights but you will probably find quite a few uh, flexible uh, publishers who will say okay well since you have your publishing let's do a partnership uh, there's there's a there's a there's plenty of publishers doing that there's one that comes to mind it's uh, Buddha Music which is a German publisher which has offices in uh, in France and in the UK and in a couple of other countries uh, they do a lot of partnership deals with songwriters or or composers, uh, which allows them to have their own catalog and manage their catalog. And then you know it's a discussion of you know what kind of rates you can you know. So if you for this amount you know you get this kind of service and so on. And so it, that that's also when the having a good lawyer is uh, is important. But I think in in electronic music a lot of uh, you can. There's, it's probably much more open to partnership deals. You know, publishers mm-hmm. understand that you know uh, you are a DJ or you're doing electronic music. You are you're, you have your home studio and all that. It's quite natural that you know you will end up owning your masters because what comes out from your computer is the master. And you know, if you have your 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 publishing, uh, you will do a partnership deal with a publisher. And 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 you know then you know your publisher will will help you also get your music around, and especially doing placements in uh, in TV shows or you know that's very important and that's not something you can do yourself, so you need to have that partnership. So there are uh, there are different websites for uh, licensing opportunities where you can uh, participate in the projects or just uh, list your music and. Uh, uh, projects, commercial projects interested in music in specific genre can shop for songs there and uh, have direct licensing deals with uh, with the songwriters. Uh, so, is it something that? Uh, so, can you comment on uh, these kind of websites? Uh, I, it's a different. It's a different proposition. You know, in the end, what matters is that your your songs get around. Uh, I, you know, and it also depends how much time and efforts you can devote because the, you know there's a certain level of of commitment that you will get or not get from those those websites. So I'm not saying you know I, I think it, it it's it's on a case by case basis. There are some sites that are extremely efficient that are followed by uh, music supervisors in Hollywood uh, because they have new fresh. Material uh, and they will they will license you know music from their from those websites. So it, that, that you know and it, so it's a good thing. I think the overall the, the publisher what you get with the publisher is also a relationship, and it's also someone who will give give you feedback. It's also someone who will uh, see you know probably f- through you more than you. In terms of your your musical abilities and and where you can grow, uh, it's also someone who, if at some point you say, "Well, I'd like to write a musical," hey, why not? You know, uh, who can put you in the you know in partnership with the right people to write the musical, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it's not 
it could be it's not one or the other it all depends what the purpose uh, of the, the the artist is and and what what the end goal end goal is I, I I tend to think that you need you need feedback it's like you know I'm a I'm, I'm a writer uh, I you know sometimes you do things in a vacuum and you don't know what you know who you're writing for and you don't so having someone like an editor who gives you feedback which is you know the role that a publisher has. Uh, you know, for a writer, is always useful. You know, it's like okay, well, you know, your this story is not very good, or it could be better if they, you do this or you do that. The publisher will do the same thing with you. You know, grab your song and say, well, maybe if you if you have a shorter chorus, it will work better, or if you you know maybe the intro is too long and you should you know shift a few things. And that's the kind of feedback that always helps you improve. And I think you have you should not be afraid of hearing people giving advice and helping you improve your 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 skills yeah yeah that's very important sometimes it's difficult to hear someone else criticizing uh, what you create but it's extremely important if you want to succeed so some great tips here uh so c- can you mention any uh, trends in uh, music publishing maybe something that artists should pay attention to uh these days something maybe an up-and-coming trend well I, that's something i I, I had not measured at all until I went to um, San Francisco and LA last last October. I went to uh, to a conference in San Francisco, and then I went to a few meetings, uh, and I met a, a certain number of music publishers, and they were telling me that there's a new market out there, which you know is is starting to become uh, important in terms of of. Uh, monetization of, of works and it's the in, in the US uh, you know you, you don't work uh, unlike European countries where you have a, a blanket license for, for media uh, the, the, the media have to ask for synchronization rights if they, have, if they want to use music to broadcast uh, aside from radio but so if you are a TV channel and if you want to put some music, say from Daft Punk, on the on the on the trailer or something like that, you have to ask the right, and then you have to negotiate the rights and so on. So that was the classic way of placing music, you know, on TV shows and so on. But there's something that is happening, <laughs> and we know what it is, and it's called YouTube. And YouTube is becoming more and more a media with its own channels. Uh, you know, there's a cha- there's there's a there's a group of channels called Machinima which deal only with video games. Uh, I met a young woman who was in in her late twenties who was running an operation where she had about two hundred channels that were operating on YouTube. These channels still need to license music to operate if they want to put music. But the revenues that they will provide have nothing to do with what you can get from a network like Fox or CBS or NBC. But nonetheless, regard, you know, with the volume of mm-hmm. programs that are out there, there's a lot of music to be licensed. And it's small amounts. You know, it could be $25, $100, $150. But if you multiply that by 100 and 1,000, you know, it ends up being a lot of, of revenues. So you have a lot of music publishers now who are looking, who in the old days would have never looked at that because why would I do a deal for $50, you know? It takes more time for me to process, you know, through my admin department that those $50 and actually, you know. But these days, if you are smart and if you structure your company accordingly, you can make deals for those channels. And you know, songwriters also could approach some of these channels directly or through the websites, the services that you mentioned earlier, and, and offer their music. And that's a whole new uh, area that was totally you know, n- you know, non-existent in the past that you know, is suddenly opening up. And, and if you look at the, the, the gross pattern of YouTube at the moment, it's fascinating because you know that within five years, they will be the biggest broadcaster in the world in terms of volume. It's probably already the case in terms of uploading, but all that. But in terms of the time spent by people over there, it's going to grow. Therefore, the revenues are going to grow. Advertisers are going to go more and more onto that. Therefore, 
revenues, potential revenues for uh, composition and for, for, for music is also going to be growing. So I would say that's an interesting area to go into. And if you have a publisher, you know, try and find that, uh, that kind of, of way to, to get your, your repertoire out there. Yeah, and I think the tension uh, with everything related to YouTube grows as well, especially with the latest talks about uh, YouTube launching these stream audio streaming services and indie labels and artists not being happy with that but um still youtube is uh yeah it's it's becoming the biggest broadcast in the world and uh, you have to be there in the first place and you have to find as an artist i mean uh have to find ways to earn money with youtube so yeah this is a very practical and exciting advice um yeah so uh, just thinking of wrapping it up do you have any other Uh, advice to an independent musician, no matter what genre uh, they're in, uh, to focus on right now, to pay attention to right now. I would, I would say, um, and it's it's almost like a dirty word because people don't don't understand what it is, and it's it's neighboring rights. So we we just talked about publishing and publishing rights. Mm -hmm. Neighboring rights are the rights that are attached to the master of a recording, uh, whereas. You know, publishing rights is the the you know the composition rights, and uh, in a lot of countries, uh, especially in Europe, neighboring rights are very important or getting very important. And neighboring rights are split between the the owners of the master, which is m- most likely going to be a label, and the performers. Uh, and uh, you, you know, it's we're talking about. You know, in, in in a country like France, we're talking about you know 170 million euros in neighboring rights. So you know, it that it's becoming huge money. But also in the U.S., you have uh, you don't have neighboring rights linked to traditional broadcasting. You know, like the FM broadcasting, they don't pay neighboring rights. But the online platforms like Pandora, uh, Beats Music, and so on, they pay neighboring rights. And they pay it to a company called Sound Exchange, and Sound Exchange is going to become the largest source of revenue uh, mm-hmm. for labels and probably performers in the next five years. They are already making six hundred and fifty million dollars in collecting revenues every year, and they're going to reach the billion very soon. And and that sim- that it does not apply simply to repertoire from American uh, artists. It's the whole world repertoire and since you you know it, it's online usage you can imagine that you know the repertoire is pretty wide so my advice is you know if you have if you have reach, reach a certain level in your career and you know that your music is played around and has been you know getting traction on on pandora and and you know spotify in the us etc is to make sure that you know, actually you get that money back. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and in the case of electronic music, uh, where a lot of the DJs, a lot of the artists own their own master, uh, it's, it, you know, they, they will get the, 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 the master's share and the performer's share. So that's, you know, it can be significant money around. And mm-hmm. uh, worse, at least, you know, asking around, you know, where's my money <laughs> or having people uh, if you have a manager or if you have you know make sure that actually this money is going back to you mm-hmm. and, that and, would be that would yeah, be my, yeah. my, my advice mm-hmm. and you know one day if you want we could do a whole podcast on neighboring rights because there's a lot to say uh, my other advice and don't and, and it's very very important because in the digital age it's data and metadata it's called the identifiers And you have the ISRC codes, which are you know the identifiers for sound recordings, and the ISWC codes that are the codes for composition. Uh, don't overlook them; it's very important. If you are uh, like a, a one-person operation that you know you do your music, you put it online on SoundCloud or whatever. Don't forget to put the metadata because if someday there's money around, people will not be able to identify you as either the composer of the work or the owner of the masters uh, because you have forgotten to put the codes. And that's something, it's, it's a little bit of learning curve, but it is fundamental in the digital age. Don't screw up your metadata because that is the source of your revenues for the years to come. So 
to sum up, the first advice was to register on Sound Exchange. I think it's uh, a great a tip to anyone, and yeah, as you mentioned, getting some something going on with their music. So maybe when you are just starting out, it doesn't make much sense. But when you see that your songs are played on uh, online radios and so on, and uh, if I got you right, even if you are not in the states, it's still a good idea to sign up with Sound Exchange. It's probably a good idea because they accept foreign uh, artists. Uh, registered directly or foreign publisher um, labels, uh, not least because it allows you, once you are into the system, to enter your metadata mm-hmm. and and make sure that you are identified as the owner of the recording or you know the, the, the as a performer or you know as a as the the master owner. So that's very important. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and 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 and. So I would I would suggest yes to do that, to do so. Check on their website first. Don't call them because that might end up being very costly, especially if you call from from the you know the from some remote place uh, like. Well, we've uh, got Skype for that. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So yeah, that 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 would be that would be a you know a small step to do, and you know could be uh, could be interesting in the in the in the long term. Mm-hmm. And and uh, something uh, related advice that I can add, basically educating yourself at this question is very important. What you just mentioned and uh, doing some research for your country, if uh, you're an electronic music producer, you own all your rights and uh, you master recording uh, and uh, your song is played on a major radio, basically you can get money both from PRS and PPL. Yeah, so that mistaken. in the UK, it's, in France, it's a bit more compl- complicated. But most, you know, it, it's a pan-European uh, legislation. So you will have that, you know, from Latvia all the way to to Portugal, and mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 important that you you understand what it is and that you make sure that you you know if there is money out there that belongs to you that you know you get you get it back. You know, yeah, there's no yeah, reason so. why it, it it should go into a black box. So pay attention and pay attention. You know, and and the more you will do that, the more you will pay attention to your metadata also. Mm-hmm. And and the things like not only the uh, the metadata like uh, the 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 stuff that you mentioned, even the basic things like consistency of how your name is spelled is important because oh yes, uh, oh yes. Things should be consistent across all your platforms, uh, as as an artist. I mean, because we we know even like examples, even with some major artists like Thirty Seconds to Mars, an interesting case where they uh, have different spellings uh, on different albums and so on. Uh, yeah, I don't even mention the umlauts or you know the, <laughs> the oh, yeah, different yeah, yeah. language. And 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 I it is fascinating. Uh, you know when I was doing the. Uh, the research I mentioned at the beginning of the, sh- the show on the circulation of European repertoire, I was dealing with, you know, 250,000 lines of uh, data on an Excel spreadsheet. But uh, you have at some points an entry which says uh, Robbie Williams, another entry which say Williams, comma, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be, you know, so you, you, you have all kinds of, and it really, uh, it really is a problem if, at the bottom end of that, uh, you know, there's money that you know is waiting for uh, for you to be uh, collected, simply because you know at some point there's a there's a there's a misunderstanding on the or there's a there's a slight mistake or there's no consistency. Yeah. So the listener, the musician listening to this show, uh, make sure that uh, from uh, the very beginning of your. Uh, career and so right now starts uh, paying attention to these things even if nothing seemingly happens right now uh, no one knows uh, what will happen with uh, the song that you recorded like five years ago maybe someone will want it for a big movie or whatever and these things uh, will matter a lot so these are great tips finish on a on a on a on a funny note but uh, i was just thinking do you really think that in 1963 or 64 John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and George Harrison really would have cared about metadata <laughs> and stuff like that. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the it's... thing is that we are in a completely different world. And, and, and yes, if you are John Lennon today, you should probably worry about that or have someone worry about that. 
Yeah, you, so we have, have someone is a good option as well, I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't expect musicians to be really fans of uh, administrative kind of work and spreadsheets. I have seen very few artists who are fans <laughs> of that, actually. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great learning these things yourself, just so you have an understanding and then finding someone who may help you with that. Once again, we live in a totally different world, as you mentioned. It's a digital world, but it's also a world where we have a opportunities like hiring a freelancer somewhere uh, and who will not charge you lots and if you explain what has to be done they will help you with some administrative tasks as well so I think there is a number of ways to solve this but I don't see that there is uh, a lot of room for the rock and roll uh, lifestyle these days it's a totally different topic but it feels like you really need to be Uh, into business more you cannot afford uh, being wrong not, not paying attention to music business is it something that you would agree with me oh uh, well you know there's still a fun factor i hope but it is it's tougher there's more work that needs to be done by everyone including by the artist and the artist has to know that has to factor that in uh and you know there are some people who do it absolutely naturally who have no mm -hmm. problem with that Uh, I think there are others, and it's a probably also a question of generation. And and there are some who, you know, are, you know, could not get arrested, and you know, probably will never be interested in that kind of thing. And it's fair enough, you know. It's as I said, it's not their job. But I think you have to be aware of the environment in order not uh, to make the wrong deals. And too often we hear about artists making bad deals. That you know, it is unexcusable today. To make a bad deal, uh, mm -hmm. you can have deals with that are you know terms that might not necessarily be good uh, and all that. But you know you, you you have to have a lawyer. You have to have people around you who at some point will you know help you navigate through those things and and prevent you from making mistakes. I think that's you know the uh, that's the important part. And you will still make mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. You know yeah. that's not you know. <laughs> <laughs> But once again, finding your champions, as you put it. I really love that quote. <laughs> yeah, you know, find your champion. Yes, 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 yes. That's important. Great. Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, anything else for the listener that you want to add? No, I think, well, you know, keep on making good music. That's, that's for me, is rule number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no publisher label will be interested in your stuff in the long run. I mean, there are other factors as well, but you have to create great music. So this is a very important tip as well. Uh, there is a ton of stuff that I would also love to discuss with you, but I just try to keep this conversation within the, uh, the informal limits that we've got. So I really appreciate all the information that you shared with us today thanks a lot Emmanuel. it was a pleasure andrew and you know if you i'm around so you know where to find me you have been listening to the we spin recipes podcast learn how we can help you improve your music career at we spin 12.com